my cord uh, comes out, it oh, is that okay? Okay, no worries. It's all good. I mean, as long as it's uploading, then we're we're good. I have them. All right, this is episode five or six. Uh, episode five. Okay. Uh, all right, ready to roll. Welcome to episode five of Podcast X, where we'll be talking about Jurassic World Dominion and maybe a bit of breaking Joker 2 news. We'll see if we have time for that. We, <laughs> we've been joking around about how difficult it's been to align our schedules, and I have been criminally late to the last two podcasts due to uh, just stuff that's going on in my life, and we're barely pulling it together tonight. So we're going to jump right into everything. Mr. Rob Keys. Uh, okay, we're talking Jurassic World to start? Well, no, actually, I was... It's just the intro, you guys. So just say hello. Oh, <laughs> hi, uh, hello, everyone. Good evening. And uh, special guest Kofi Outlaw. Yeah, we don't have time for this. I don't know how long I'll be awake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll we'll jump right we'll jump right into it. So we'll be talking full spoilers for Jurassic World Dominion. Before we get started, I just want to remind everybody: hop over from the um, previous podcast feeds if you're still on those. Um, we are, we're not supporting those anymore. So if you want to listen to podcast X, even if you're not going to listen every week, but you want to jump in for, you know, one episode or another, this is the feed podcast X. That's the feed we're going to be continuing on from here on out. So, um, all right. Well, so I reviewed Jurassic world dominion for screenrant.com and I gave it a very, this, I feel like I'm sliding into Prometheus territory here. I gave it a 3.5. Um, and I do have, uh-huh. I do have reasoning. I do have reasoning for this. I recognize that it's not a great movie in a lot of different ways, but I, I feel like these movies have been, and maybe this is kind of transformeritis or something all over again for me, but I feel like these movies have basically been big, dumb theme park rides ever since T-Rex like stepped into San Diego in Jurassic Park um you know too and from that point on it's kind of been just like moving from one set piece to another set piece there hasn't been a lot of really great storytelling that's being done in these movies there's nothing really like all that profound about like genetic research or anything like that it's just a big dumb theme park ride with dinosaurs and i've kind of been here for that so um i'm curious kind of what you guys think that's my logic i you know if I if I had known it was going to be as divisive as it is, maybe I would have gone three or something. But I still don't think this movie is guilty of getting just the absolute trashing that it's that it's getting because I I'm kind of at that point where I don't know what people were expecting from these movies to some extent. Um, so I'll kick it over to you guys. I want to kind of get into spoilers and how us be able to talk about stuff, but I do want your general impressions before we do that. So I can hand it over to Rob first. Sure. Uh, but before I could jump in, what what were your general thoughts like compared to the first two of the new trilogy? So I would say that the first one of the new trilogy, um, Jurassic World, I would say is the best of these three. Um, and I wow. think because it just sort of recreates the experience of Jurassic Park one, um, but kind of, you know, in a bigger, more modern way. And I love that like final set piece and and some of the different kind of action bits in that movie. So I, I still have kind of a fondness for that movie that 
that I know some people don't because it's kind of like a legacy sequel recreation type movie. But I, I, I like that one the most. I probably like Fallen Kingdom the least. And then I like this one, you know, closer to Fallen Kingdom, but less than the first Jurassic World. Gotcha. And then all the original well, trilogy are better than than these movies, I would say. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. That's that's. I'll lay some groundwork for myself. Then the original Jurassic Park is a perfect film for me. It's like top ten of all time. Easy, right? Uh, and it's kind of been downhill uh, in, in the sequels. Um, and, and for me, Jurassic World, the first of the new trilogy, was was very frustrating. Um, it was very disappointing for me. Uh, and it's one of those things where I think like the fans were wrong because it made so much money. A lot of people genuinely enjoyed it and it, it just bothered me so much. I thought it was borderline terrible. Um, and I didn't like how instead of continuing the story, it tried to almost like remake a lot of, yeah. a lot of the original Jurassic Park. But in a way for me that everything was worse, the stories, the annoying gimmicks, the callbacks, and it didn't earn that nostalgia because it wasn't good. It felt much like, how in retrospect, I look at how the force awakens compared to new hope. Like there's, you know, beat for beat, the structurally they're trying to copy those things, but none of it is innovative or as good as the original. Right. And, um, you know, and a lot of time has passed. There's a whole difference in CGI versus practical, all that stuff. So for me, the fans were wrong. <laughs> it drove me crazy. Um, the second one, it had some cool like visual scenes and like, the horror elements, but, um, I found it extremely forgettable. And I find, in fact, I find a lot of those first two very forgettable. Um, Whereas I go back to the, the original two, you know, even like the Jeff Goldblum sequel, like I, I remember so much, every detail of that, even though I haven't seen it in 20 years, right? Um, that's a big difference. Uh, so for me, the franchise has been, you know, because of how they how they did the first Jurassic World, the franchise has been kind of bad since the mid-90s. Um, and I was worried going into this one, this was like another one of those corporate money-making but brand-killing trilogies, follow-up trilogies, like The Hobbit, like Fantastic Beasts, and even – like the Disney Star Wars trilogy, right? Like very disappointing trilogy follow-ups that make way too much money and don't deserve it. And they hurt the brand. They hurt my respect for the brand, right? Um, but uh, like with Jurassic uh, World where the fans are wrong and against all logic, I think this movie is good and it makes no sense. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I find it very watchable. I Just like you, Ben, I thought it was a ton of fun. Uh, so, so hear me out. So there's a lot of stories happening in Dominion because uh, it's combi- combining the new trilogy characters with the OGs, the OG legends. Um, and I think these characters on their own and in little team-ups and then all together as a big team, they, they really do work. They, they, they found a way to give enough of them, for me, enough of them time. And it wasn't like all gimmicks. And there were certainly a lot of callbacks, even Jeff Goldblum holding the torch and doing it right this time. You know what I mean? Um, but for me, that, 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 that all played for me pretty well for what it was. And sure, these are theme park rides, but to me, this does that better than the other two. Um, and I think it helps because this movie is shot so well. There are so many set pieces, so many action scenes in so many different varied environments. We, you see from the trailer, like the European urban shots with the Raptors and the bike chase and the T-Rexes in the, in the, in the open square. Uh, you got the black market scenes, the locust fields. We can talk about the locust a little more later, the labs, the industrial <laughs> interiors, which to me for the OG fans, reminded me of the SNES Jurassic Park game. If you, the interior, oh, yeah, yeah. you go in incredible game, the biodome stuff during the day and at night with the fires, like the ice scene with the thing under the water, like the snowy forest. They, they, and they all have different dinosaurs all doing different things. And on top of that, this movie better than the last two does. I think the best job of mixing the practical, because they use a lot of practicals for close-ups with CGI. It looks good. The dinosaurs look good. I, I don't think this is going to feel dated, like Jurassic World, a lot of scenes in Jurassic World already do, right? Because it's almost entirely CGI, that one, it feels like. Um, 
Yeah, and, and a lot of, some of the new stuff really works well too. So it's tough bringing back the OG characters and still finding time for new characters. But with like the Ramsey character uh, and Kayla Watts, the pilot, like they're actually cool new characters and they totally work as pairs and together as part of the bigger team. I didn't mind the locust story element. That feels kind of fitting as a, a different sort of evolution of taking this tech to have a new sort of doomsday plot. And I, if you listen to the interviews, like director Colin Trevorrow said, like they, they, he did that to bring in the, uh, to explain how Ellie gets into the mix and becomes sort of a lead character. Right. So I, I kind of, I'm kind of behind that. I think most of all too, I like how Henry Wu, uh, the Dr. Henry Wu from the OG Jurassic Park and kind of a villain of sorts in the last one or two, like they kind of redeem him. Yep. They, they turn him into a scientist who's using science for good. Finally. Right. Um, I like that part of it. Um, but there's obviously stuff that doesn't work. I mean, like all the villain stuff drives me crazy. The hillbilly poachers, the Lewis Dodgson, Jeff Basil, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk hybrid character is is <laughs> crazy. Uh, I forget how to pronounce her name, but the the you know, the well-dressed black market dealer who works for him with the laser pointer, like she's like every scene she's in is ridiculous to me, and, and sometimes it's cringeworthy, right? Um, and then from a plot perspective, it's a very goofy plot. You have to accept that this is crazy. They're doing everything they can to bring it all together. Um, and so there's a lot of like character plot coincidences, like how even this new character, Kayla, she sees the girl, then she sees Claire at the market, then she sees Claire outside. Oh, that's how they all get together, right? Or Owen and Claire are in the wild in the biodome, and they happen to find Maisie with Grant and Ellie, and that's how they come together. So it's all like goofy plot coincidences, coincidences like yeah. rushing to force them together. And so, you know, you have to kind of just accept that, and, and it's not great, but it's annoying. And also, the biggest sin of the film on top of that is like in the end, the, the overall plot, what all the characters are trying to do, especially on the antagonist side, doesn't quite get fleshed out. Like they're capturing blues, baby Raptor. You see that in the trailer. They're, they're capturing Macy Lockwood, the clone, and they're kind of retconning history at the same time to fit that in. And they're kind of just throwing it all together to say, this is how they're going to save the world and fix the locust problem. And it doesn't, they don't fully delve into that. It becomes so secondary. They almost kind of leave it for like one little scene at the end. And so the, yeah. the science behind all of that and the, and the character stuff behind all that is just thrown away because they don't have enough time uh, because, because for, for for better or worse, there's so much movie here. Uh, but you know what, man? In the theater, I enjoyed it. So uh, weirdly enough, this is the best of the three for me. So uh, Kofi, I'm curious what you think. I genuinely thought like this was going to be you being like this movie shit. I can't stand mm. it. I can't believe you gave it. Happy to prove you wrong. I think I'm kind of somewhere in the middle of you two. I think that uh, Jurassic World Dominion is very much... I think this whole Jurassic World franchise has gone to great lengths to try to copy kind of what the first franchise did in each step. And I feel like this one is very much Jurassic Park 3 uh, just done over again. I mean, down to bringing Sam Neill back. Sam Neill needed a paycheck when Jurassic Park 3 came out. (laughs) He needed a paycheck now. And Jurassic Park 3 was just like a really kind of step down B-movie version of Jurassic Park. And that's what this is. This is a step down kind of B movie version of Jurassic World. I think what a lot of people are reacting to is that this movie does a lot of kind of clever three card Monty. I've spoken about COVID productions. And I think all of Hollywood has kind of been doing this three card Monty act to get through the COVID thing. But um, this one, while it does have a lot of set pieces, like a Mission Impossible feel to it. It's also kind of trickery because in a lot of ways, this is also like the smallest of the Jurassic World movies or Jurassic Park movies in terms of like, like where the 
action is taking place and how sizable does that place feel. Uh, the Biosyn is technically like the smallest area I feel like we've ever had like one of these movies set in and it feels like the smallest and the kind of set pieces to get us there with the Jurassic World characters, you know, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, while they're kind of were some exciting sequences like the motorbike sequence and the chase with the Raptors and the laser pointer is exciting. Um, yeah, the movie feels a lot smaller than the premise that I think people were hooked by. I think what a lot of people are reacting to is kind of seeing that Jurassic World Dominion doesn't kind of live up to the premise of its own title, which was at the end of the last movie, we got this for all the weirdness of the last movie. And it had its own kind of weirdness, just like the lost world Jurassic Park did. We did get this premise that brought people automatically back, which was like, Oh, dinosaurs are out in the wild. And like, that's going to be cool. They're roaring at lions. And we all remember that kind of video game that everybody mistook for the first Jurassic world trailer where it was like, you know, the pterodactyls attacking people on a beach and everything and dinosaurs being in the wild, being this precarious situation. And I think people in, you know, all, even all the, like the little mini movies we got and stuff, people were excited for this premise, right? But this movie has really little to nothing to do with that premise. Um, <laughs> the dinosaurs we get are like bioengineered weapons for that like chase scene. Otherwise, they're on the Biosyn Preserve, so we don't actually go out in the world. Everything is on the stock footage that they play. That's the only place we get these concepts of like the dinosaurs being in the world with us. So I think a lot of people were disappointed by that. I mean, we always talk about how it's hard to kind of sometimes separate yourself from your own expectations when a movie doesn't go the way you've been writing in your fan fiction for months, you know, but yeah, you got to kind of do that. So I will say, you know, I think this is very much the Jurassic Park 3, but I like Jurassic Park 3. I like that crazy movie with William H. Macy and Sam Neill and a slightly different threatening dinosaur and all that stuff. Yeah. And so there's an enjoyment to it. And this is just a fun B movie. And I think this gets by, like Rob said, because of just the strength of the two ensembles, uh, the new pilot character i forget her name in the movie and the actress's name because i'm real good at this but the pilot character is a very entertaining i mean she has a lot of charisma to be even just holding scenes with chris pratt and kind of being fun that way and so she's great and so the jurassic world half of it is fun that you know laura dern and sam neill and jeff goldblum haven't lost a step and they're just great and so like the jurassic park character half is good and when it comes together it's a lot of fun so there is and there is a lot of well shot sequences i think there's also a lot of b-movie sequences like the stuff in the cavern and stuff like that is just ridiculous looking <laughs> um like it looks like somebody went through an animatronic ride at disney world or something like or universal and had those dinosaurs in there but anyway <laughs> Aside from those parts, yeah. there are some just cool. I mean, there's also really cool shots, like the Bryce Dallas Howard, the one for the commercials where they're crawling into the pond. Oh yeah, it's like yeah. Also, it's like one of the coolest sequences I've seen in one of these movies. And so, there's a lot of there's some cool parts, but you know, it, it is just kind of a mixed bag. But I think ultimately, like so many other things, the COVID of it all kind of kept things yeah. a lot smaller and more contained. I mean, there's a lot of just, again, I think the real star of the last, I was joking in my other podcast, Comic Book Nation, about this, that like when it comes to like even Obi-Wan's last episode or this movie, 
the real stars of these are just very long hallways, you know, research facilities <laughs> and very long hallways and facilities are, are the real stars yeah. of are the COVID era productions because you know there's yeah. a lot of sequences taking place in very long hallways where we can only were, fit like a couple people. You're right about Dewanda. So it was Dewanda Wise as Kayla Watts. That was the that's the pilot. I yeah. thought I thought she was great. And I mean, the worst part about this movie to me is that it's probably the last one with this cast. And not that I'm going to miss Chris Pratt or you know, I mean, I like Bryce Dallas Howard, but I mean, at this point, she's kind of reduced in in ways in this film too. But like that character of Kayla Watts is a character I would have loved to have seen, you know, have been in this whole thing the entire time or something. Cause I thought she was kind of a breath of fresh air, but I, I do agree with what you're saying with regard to the expectations for the movie versus the reality. Like as much as I enjoyed it as kind of a ridiculous theme park ride where I'm moving from set piece to set piece. And, you know, there's this insane subplot of these genetically engineered locusts and, and they're like lit on fire in the movie. I mean, it, that whole thing is so bizarre and so weird and falls so flat on its face in terms of saying something profound about, you know, genetic research and the dangers of, of this kind of thing. I will agree 100% that the sort of implied, you know, scope of the film was going to be much more about like, what is the world now that these dinosaurs are in it? And the fact that we sort of end up back in another preserve was quite disappointing to me. And I think it's made even worse by the fact that a lot of the trailers, you know, with the T-Rex stomping through the movie, the drive-in movie theater. And then we also had that really awesome, um, you know, short, the battle for Big Rock. You guys remember that? Where like the Carnotosauruses are like fighting... Yeah. in that campground like that yeah was so i was talking cool. about the little mini movies yeah. that kind of like tease that premise yeah and all like, the viral was, marketing was all about that like it was just yeah yeah that was really like that was that little just kind of like short film is great and then also they you know in the trailers they also did that well and i mean this may be what you're talking about too it's like you know they did that whole 10 minute sequence or five minute sequence for for this movie of of the prehistoric era with the yeah. Gigantosaurus or whatever it's called. And it's like, none of that's even in the movie. And I don't know where any of that would have fit. And maybe it was in the movie at one point and they were just kind of like, got to lose this because, okay. So they, yeah, they I mean, cut I, it for just length reasons. It, like you say, it didn't really fit the rest of the story. Yeah. Which makes sense, but it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, when you start stripping that stuff out, it starts to feel like, exactly what you're saying Kofi which is the thing that was going to be kind of cool about this you just took all that out and we really only get kind of the ones you know we get some of this intro stuff with what like Owen is doing where he's like chasing down his Paris or offices or whatever and you know and we see like the sequence with the with the smugglers and everything and but I mean those are really really minor in comparison to kind of what I was excited about um, in the movie, so I, I agree with that as as kind of a central conceit of this I, argument. I, I don't mind it as much for. I mean, you're right. Like a lot of the screen time is dedicated to these internal environments at the lab, the biosyn uh, facility, like the offices, and it's all like there are. You can count the number of set pieces on your hand, right? It's like how many times do they use that train tube? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in that one car, yeah. right? Interior <laughs> yeah. closed sets for all the reasons Kofi would say, you know, the, the COVID production of it all. But they did at least yeah. try to get outdoors. And obviously all the locust shots outside of the lab were like in fields and on farms and stuff. And like you mentioned, Ben, you know, the Owen intro is him and the ranchers rounding up the dinosaurs with their horses. And you get to see the end shot of that at the end of the film. 
Uh, yeah. With Claire, her intro is at the cattle ranch, which has the, the baby triceratops. And on this chase outward, they're going through fields at night and it's full of dinosaurs, right? Um, yeah, which was yeah. terrible. And they're still just trying to make up for the fact that they store, stuck that poor girl in heels for the entirety of the first. I know. <laughs> they're trying so hard to redeem her in the story and for the <laughs> the film problem of it all. Um, and even the even that big shot, the, 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 I forget what it's called, the sea dinosaur grabbing the fish, the, the fish and pulling the boat over. And you get a lot of phone shots of a kid's playing with dinosaurs. So they, they, they do like pepper it in. Uh, but certainly it's not the core of the story, which fans would expect. But I do like how the at the end of it, it does hit on the theme, right? The end of the film is we have to share the world and co you know cohabitate with these guys right and, and it shows like intentionally five sequences of like here's dinosaurs here's our animals right here are, here are whales yeah here's the dinosaurs in the sea so it does end with like this is the jurassic world now our world is full of dinosaurs and sure the sanctuary experiment failed maybe they can bring it back but um i, I didn't mind that part of it and but certainly it's very noticeable when they when they're not yeah. outdoors or like you said, even the the Claire scene, like you were, the Kofi, one of the best scenes is like the Claire went under the water and that big thing's looking down at her. It's like, but even that's a very tiny set. It's just a few bushes. Like behind those trees, I'm sure there's a wall and it's on a stage or something, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of a shame. It's not as vast as the original Jurassic Park when they're like Grant is walking with little Timmy through the through the up to the electric fence and all that kind of stuff. It feels like an actual island. This. Yeah. Sure. Does not, of course, yeah. Which is, you know, sad reality of it. Yeah, you yeah. were Kofi. Your your point about the cave sequence was uh, is well met because, like, I mean, you know, as a big dinosaur kid, I know Rob was was too, and everything. It's like so; those were dimetrodons, right? Which are just kind of like lizards with big sails on their backs, and like that's not a, like an animal that physically moves in a way even in my imagination that would be like at all scary. It's just like, they're kind of coming around corners and there's like one there and it's like, ah, and then they go around another corner and there's like another one. They're like waking up or something like they're not spry animals. You know, is that stuff was so weird. Um, you know what though? I, my, my very first and maybe only Dino Riders toy was that thing. And, oh, uh, man, yeah, it had crazy. like a plastic shell you put on the side of one of those spines. Yeah. And had two lasers yeah. fold down, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" So I, I didn't realize it's slow as hell. But man, that thing could yeah. carry a couple, a couple good weapons. Dino yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a beast in that show. <laughs> well, it's also because people. I remember people would hide behind like one of the the other far side of the fin. It was like a shield. That's yeah. it. You could also like blast from exactly. It. Yeah, Dino Riders. <laughs> I'm right in the state of half sleep where I can recall my entire childhood. It's amazing. <laughs> It does kind of call into question, like how badly we do need a Dino Riders movie now at this point, because like we we've been talking about that for twelve years on this podcast, um, how badly we want a Dino Riders movie. But like that's the next one, just like you know, forget well, all. It would be stuff better than most of Jurassic World. I mean, yeah, I think these movies have always been product. Uh, I think the only really good movie was Jurassic Park uh, and, and Jurassic Park Three because it's just a stupid B movie about dinosaurs. But um. Yeah. The rest has been just like attempted product. And it's just like, I also question, like, I feel like dinosaurs are the least interesting part of these movies. now. <laughs> like a lot of this movie is about like a human clone and like, you know, locusts and, and weaponizing human them, people. Tra- right. Yeah. And human people trying to either save the clone or stop the locusts. And it's just like, Oh, it's, it's just become like the walking dead. Right. Like, 
The Walking Dead after a while, like, you know, for the first couple of seasons, it's like, oh, man, this is so awesome. Zombies are the scariest thing ever. We got to fight all these zombies. And how are we going to fight all these zombies and get from like one day to the next? And then after a while, The Walking Dead just becomes like the world's just filled with fucking, you know, crazy. It's just about people and other crazy people. Yeah. And it's like, oh, shit, we walked around the corner. Oh, look, there's a zombie. Like, oh, shit. Like somebody stab it. Yeah, and, stab in the head. That's it. <laughs> And that's yeah. about like what I felt sometimes with this movie, like literally from the pop outs from those dinosaurs in the caves to just like the general attitude of it's just like, oh, yeah, there's oh, right. We have to deal with some dinos. It's like Chris Pat goes to fight a guy. Oh, right. But there's also some dinos to like to like dodge. Yeah. Too. Yeah. They've- Which wasn't too bad. But like, you know, I like that sequence. But again, it's just like I feel like. It's no yeah, longer I, about the wonderment of dinosaurs or not this wondrous thing. They're just like, <laughs> yeah, there's some dinosaurs fucking around here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> They've certainly normalized them within the canon. The same way we feel like we've seen it. This is six movies in, right? We get it. CGI dinosaurs. We, we've seen like – we've seen so many. They're bringing them back every movie, right? Even those yeah. – you probably know the name. What are those ones that spit? <laughs> there's like a whole bunch of them in this movie. Yeah. Dilophosaurus, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So it's like – and they become normalized in the story. Yeah. They're just animals in the wild. Like but everything also, else. Like, yeah. This movies have also just made me stupid because like they lied to me. They were wrong. Science science was wrong. Like velociraptors are tiny and they look like birds. Like and now <laughs> I went to a dinosaur driving park with my kids and they're just like looking at me like I'm I'm the biggest idiot in the world. I was, like, I was confused Jurassic about park. that. I was confused about that as well because I thought part of one of the other things that they were attempting to do in this movie was to have the dinosaurs that are in the sanctuary be some of them be, you know, rescued dinosaurs, but a lot of them were supposed to be like ungenetically modified versions of the dinosaurs. And like even the Velociraptor, you know, which I guess they call a, it's like a, it's like a fire Raptor or something. That's the one that had the, like the feathers on it. Mm -hmm. That one is supposed to be, you know, the most like anatomically correct version, but it's still massive, which it wouldn't have been. So like, I was was a, Dude, I went to the drive-in roll like a dinosaur park here in Nashville, and I was just like, it, it was like I was in first grade again. I had to learn every dinosaur over again because I was like, oh my god, everything's so different now. Like, yeah, like so many they know right. so much more. Yeah. No, nothing was right. They know so much more that so many of them were more bird-like than we thought. Like, yeah, like yeah. some of the craziest predators, like the one crazy predator in this movie who was like has the long nails and is kind of like a bird and you know, yeah. blind. Like, yeah. I saw that, like, I forget his name, but I saw that, like, yeah, oh, you know, yeah. Allosaurus and, like, right. that other predator, like, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that's so different, and I was just like, what? It's like Jurassic Park, I feel like I don't know anything. I don't, uh, don't want to jump too far, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but that thing, the end sequence with that thing is, as someone who likes these movies and enjoys the spectacle of it, thought that was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. <laughs> Even in one of these, oh. where just like the T Rex head butts, the giant Gigagantosaurus thing. Oh, remember me about this video game Kramer. I played in my hotel? I played like religiously in my hotel when the first time I went to Disney World, and it was like uh, it was a it was side scrolling two D. It was a two uh, fighting game, but it was all dinosaurs. <laughs> and, oh yeah, Primal Rage. Primal Rage, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's like some Primal Rage shit. That, that was the <laughs> end. I was just like, yeah. I mean, it got to be on that level. I was just like, combo. <laughs> um, 
It's funny because over the last couple of months, like, uh, like National Geographic, one of the people who worked there sent my – she knows my daughter likes dinosaurs. So she sent me a little Nagio Kids Junior book. And it has that thing with the Edward Scissorhands arms. And yeah, they describe yeah. it as like, oh, it uses that to help grab plants and shit. But in this movie, like <laughs> full-on Freddy Krueger, right? It just like slices yeah. and dices that deer and then at the end, we know what happens there. But um, yeah. You know, say what you want about Jurassic World, but I did think, you know, Blue teaming up with Rexy and them taking on the Indominus Rex, which then gets eaten by the Mosasaur. Like, that was such a crowd-pleasing, just kind of crazy end to that, that it shocked me that this was how they ended this one. Like, because it does not top that in any way, shape, or form, in my opinion. Like, just having two big dinosaurs kind of, like, team up on the bigger dinosaur didn't didn't do it for me. I mean, I I'm glad they didn't kill the T-Rex because I would have freaking rioted if that had happened. But I liked all the characters in the middle of it too. And they're like circling each other. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It worked for I me. Mean, it, was viscerally, it was viscerally cool, but I did understand like why the two had formed an allegiance against the other. I had so many questions. That's dumb. I mean, the I T-Rex like, getting back up was dumb. I thought, give him his, kill him off. It wasn't dramatic. I knew it wasn't <laughs> dramatic enough to kill him off like that. We were just, there was too yeah. much going on. I was like, he's no way he just dies like that. Like, but again, I, I didn't understand like the whys about those two dinosaurs teaming up against the other one. But hey, man, you know maybe in this nature, and maybe we can do a backstory about that one day. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the endings of these movies always get ridiculous. But this was some of the least. I, I I just by this point in the movie, I had just accepted that, and I I wasn't too mad at it. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's I guess that's true. It's uh, I was curious because then they showed after all of that, they show all the dinosaurs out in the wild and stuff. We see like four T-Rexes together. And so we and it looked like it was in that same sanctuary like area, like outside of that. And I was curious if like it, it seemed like one of these things, again, where the movie is kind of at odds with itself because it's put forward this idea that there's all these dinosaurs out there. And then like we're supposed to believe at the end of this movie that they're all just the ones that are in the sanctuary are all forced into this kind of combat arena for their own safety, even though they, they basically end up just like mauling each other and stuff. But yeah. it just, I don't know. It was just, it was very weird. Like I, I may need to just watch that sequence again. Cause maybe I'll like it the second time around, but um, I don't I buy anything from the end of this movie, man. I, every time I saw those dinosaurs coexisting with like natural animals, I was just like, even if it was an herbivore, I was like, man, that thing's going to get fucking eaten. I don't know about like, that. Yeah. Dinosaur's gonna eat. Dinosaur, <laughs> yeah. it's all good now, but as soon as that dinosaur gets hungry, oof, yeah. that pod of whales is catching it. I don't know. That's it, yeah. That thing is a Therizinosaurus. Therizinosaurus is uh, Edward Scissorhands' dinosaur. <laughs> uh, oh, I forgot about the pterodons living downtown with their big ass nest at the top of a skyscraper. There's another. Oh, yeah. In, like downtown New York or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Was it New York? I couldn't tell from New York if that was the... uh, I thought it was New York. Seattle. Oh, maybe. It could have been. I I might be wrong. Um, I thought for some reason I saw like the Empire State. Yeah. The... um, I did did really enjoy having the original three back, though. Um, And I don't think I realized... You know, the marketing like really pushed all that on us, you know, oh, the, you know, Grant and Malcolm and Ellie are all back. But I don't think it really kind of 
it really resonates. I mean, we've seen so many of these movies now where it's just like they're kind of forcing fan service at us. But I actually really did like, like you were, I think, saying Kofi and, and you mentioned as well, Rob, it's like they kind of had sort of learned from their mistakes in the past. Like you have, you know, you have Ian Malcolm finally getting it right with the fire. And it's like Grant's whole arc is sort of realizing that, you know, he, he's been out in the world doing this digging thing, but he hasn't actually been living and he ends up going with Ellie at the end. Like I hadn't really realized how badly I needed those three characters to like get back together and sort of, you know, solve a problem together and make each other's lives more meaningful again. Um, and it was, I thought they, I thought that all worked pretty well, even though there was a lot of ridiculous convenience that brought them in collision course with the other characters, but yeah, I mean, it was good having them back. I mean, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't work too hard for those paychecks. So like, let's just be yeah. clear, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Laura during getting Bryce Dallas Howard, getting a swing at imaginary things in a room and then say that felt good is, uh, I mean, <laughs> you're getting the bag, but you're not really working for the bag. You know what I mean? But it's okay. They had the bants, right? They had the banter yeah. and that's what we wanted. And that was fun. And I'm never going to hate on those people who made Jurassic Park. I was going to say, yeah, it also worked well enough bouncing off the new characters, right? Uh, and yeah. they don't overdo oh, yeah. it with all, like, the legend love. Like, they certainly reference, oh, I know you. I've read your book. and You know what I mean? But, uh, no, I, I, th- I thought it worked. And, and, you know, of course, they dress them exactly the same. And they have some of the same intros and scenes. But uh, I think unlike a lot of the stuff in the first Jurassic World, in this movie, I think they earned those moments. And it kind of works uh, to balance out the uh, – the you know the new trilogy characters and the new new characters from this film. So I you know I was okay with that. That's yeah. one of the parts I actually liked. Yeah. I kind of liked Chris Pratt and you know Samuel teaming up to capture like little baby blue or whatever. Like I liked those moments. I like you know I mean as wise as Grant is on all this stuff, but you know, I mean Owen Grady was actually like training these things, right? So there's still something that you know that Grant can sort of learn about this dinosaur that he was so infatuated with and get to participate in it in a different way than he ever got to. I thought that was a, you know, I don't know. It's all fan service and stuff, but it worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. But in that scene as well, you have the Maisie Lockwood character who normally I would hate like everything about this yeah. character in, 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 in the last film, how it was all introduced. I didn't, I didn't love that, but I thought she was fine in this movie. I thought she worked and she carries a lot of scenes and it kind of grew yeah. on me after the annoying teenage yeah. intro. So it worked for me as, as a through line. Yeah, no, she did good. But again, the arc is like, I don't know if the arc is supposed to be more powerful to me or if I'm supposed to remember this. There's no third act. Her. She just kind of like yeah. accepts it, it all just, and they solve the problem, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was just kind of, it was kind of a weird arc. I don't think this, I think COVID also was this, this and the Batman are two movies that thought they had a smart point until COVID came along. And then they were just like, shit. And just like tried to make up, and it's just like Batman. The Batman was just like, "Hey guys, this is dark times. We got to help each other through, and we got to try to, you know, yeah." And this is like, "Hey guys, this variants aren't going away. We got to try to coexist and just get through this shit. Like, you know, help each other and not get sick and stuff." And it's just like, "Yeah, I guess that's all we can get. I mean, that's all we got at this time, like right about now." But uh, yeah, I feel like the point was like muddled in here yeah but uh you know i think it's it's um, true even just following the logic of that whole thing is very difficult right and you you guys said that earlier it's like they kidnapped them because i'm still not totally clear why they kidnapped them even i mean it's because of the you know the unique genetic because charlotte you know, uh yeah the charlotte lockwood cured this genetic 
trait in her process of doing it that she used to create her clone baby, which which is such a weird, heady concept. I was just like, okay, we're getting real Cronenberg with this. But um, yeah, her clone <laughs> baby uh, daughter, that sequence was some kind of natural fix that would have allowed him to figure out how to deploy a same because she deployed a virus against herself right. yeah. to create this other genetic thing that she sent the virus into like whatever the DNA. I'm not a scientist, but if they could do that, she could do that to the locusts and breathe them out. And, ba- and baby blue was necessary because baby blue was the product of a animal that had like self yeah so yeah yeah okay through gene splice splicing blue is able to asexually reproduce and through macy they figure a way to trigger and like control all cells within the body right so they could somehow combo that shit this is the part they kind of abandoned to i see turn one have dinosaur have gotten over the cure for or the need for male sperm we are no longer needed we Mm -hmm. have become extinct i guess the opinion is like they can make babies for themselves. They can send out one locust, and they can like reproduce or or convert the DNA right. of all the others and just kill them all. Whatever, whatever and virus. So Tim, can. so Tim Cook slash Dodson slash Elon Musk Jeff Bezos was yeah was on board with that plan, but the reason he was villainous was because he, if they weren't able to do that he was not going to destroy or recall the locusts or whatever, which is not the other that. option. That the initial premise is he's, he's wiping out all the crops that right. weren't his seed. So he's right. trying to control it's, the world yeah, food yeah. supply. So he's a, yeah. you know, a sociopath from the get go. But I was, yeah, I was confused at what point, like we were kind of supposed to be on Wu's side, but not on that guy's side because what their original aim was, Wu seemed to be kind of on board with, which was the idea that, you know, you would control the, the food cycle by basically, you know, like wiping out crops that aren't biosyn crops. But That's it. That, yeah, but at some point, you know, Tim Cook, Elon Musk becomes, you know, even more even more evil but i don't know it was that whole well, i think the, the turning point is Wu realizes it, these things aren't dying off like they're supposed to they just keep expanding and they're taking all the food right you know what i mean uh and that's when he's like oh crap and, i'm and <laughs> destroying the like, world okay, again okay well whatever yeah okay yeah pretty and much. Tim Cook is just basically like well if it comes to that then whatever a bunch of people are gonna die but eventually you know they'll wipe themselves out but yeah some yeah people will lose die a few million but we'll save the world with all the cures we find <laughs> yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah that that piece of the story is uh, exactly know, all the villain plots are just kind of are pretty loose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's um, one more topic before we move on to one more thing. But uh, this thing made 140 plus million this weekend, uh, despite negative reviews. You know, they, they yeah, this movie is serving as the yeah that's it, and this one serves as the conclusion of sorts, apparently, to this current franchise. But does Universal? Right, who's made an infinite amount of bad Fast and Furious movies? Do they stop? <laughs> like, what, what happens next? Do they reboot or they try to pick this up again? Man, like they have do to. learn learn from Predator, scale it down, deal with the yeah. world you've made, and make like there could be any make the fucking old man in a sea with one of those crazy dinosaur monsters in the motion. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you could, could do anything. Yeah. Make an HBO or make a Peacock series of just different dino anthology encounters out in the world. Like, you know, 
all kinds of stuff you could do. Just don't be stupid. Don't Star yeah, Wars it. Like, get on TV, yeah. do something, spread this franchise out. Like, just stop trying to make these movies right now. I agree. Come I agree with that. I think one of one of the best parts about Jurassic World is actually Camp Cretaceous, which is is a better Jurassic World and Jurassic Park movie, you know, or TV series than some of these movies have been, I think as of late, they've done some really fun stuff in those. Uh, the last season's a bit weird. Cause there's like, there's like robots and stuff that are like those things from Metroid, basically um, the most recent Metroid game. But, but they, they, they've done some really, really kind of interesting and cool things there. I think they're going to try and tether um, dominion a bit to camp Cretaceous. It sounds like in this upcoming season that's coming out, but, but that's what I would like to see. I would like to see them explore, you know, through TV or through, kind of a almost like a genre film or something you know go back to isla nublar now that it's all blown to crap you know the island is like destroyed most of the dinosaurs there what if there were some dinosaurs they're actually still left there you know someone got trapped on the island and had to get off or something i don't know there's just a lot of uh i'd rather see like smaller stories that's i'm kind of with you kobe like i actually like jurassic park 3 quite a bit more in some ways than i liked at least the last act of jurassic park 2 the lost world because it was just kind of this like you know, weird little sort of campy B movie with a really compelling dinosaur that was hunting them the entire time. Um, like I would love to see something like that, but I do not want them to do what was the original plan for this sequel series, which was like dino human hybrids, hybrids and stuff like that. Like I do not oh want to see that. God. If you're going to do that, just like make, no, me- we're not going full Cronenberg. <laughs> yeah. Make me like you know. I would watch that movie, but not as a Jurassic Park movie. Like I want. Although I, I would like to see soldiers enhanced with like Dino traits. That'd be kind of cool. So like Cobra Commander <laughs> and his crew, basically. Yeah, but not like physically. Like they would just have like crazy <laughs> eyes, rep- reptile eyes, and sniff, and you know, do all that. <laughs> so it's like, I think I'm on board. You know what? I'm in. Like, let's go, Dino human hybrids. <laughs> you ever seen that Why movie? Splice? Yeah, it's like that, and it's still. I'm still. I mean, that still did questionable things to my. uh, I'm sure my. uh, Yeah, to just like everybody else. I don't know. know. Uh, But no, I think you guys are on the right track. I think the idea of just like picking and choosing, and you could you know tie in. I'm sure like one character from the franchise to kind of make it have that hook or whatever, which I'm sure they'll do. But you know, Colin Trevor was trying to do that with these shorts beforehand, right? You just take one of those and tell standalone stories. I think that makes sense. I wouldn't yeah, be surprised the if they get some indie back. director and do that in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, bring that pilot chick back. Like I'm more interested in her than I am. I hope they retire. I mean, I'm just kind of tired of Chris Pratt. I think a lot of, I think a lot of people are, I don't think I'm the only one there. Well, get like, ready for the terminal list on Amazon back. July 1st. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't even keep up with these like movies on Amazon. Oh, is that the one about the future war? No, no, he did that too. That the, one one the, present war? The, the terminal yeah, list is a, a 10 or eight episode like series. Look, he's either fighting something from the past, fighting something in the present, or fighting the future. Which one is it? Well, that's a good question. It's it's two of those three, I think. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, but yeah, I would bring bring a pilot back, do a spinoff with her. I would love to see that. Um, I would love to see something like that. Yeah, give us a good hunt. Uh, do either of you guys watch wow. Camp Cretaceous? No, uh, no. It has. It has kind of the like Clone Wars thing of like maybe the first like five or six episodes are kind of like, oh, this is kid shit. And then after like the seventh episode, like people actually start dying. And it's actually 
you know, it's like, I don't know, it does some cool stuff. And there, it showcases some dinosaurs that aren't in the movies and, and the elements of the park that you, you know, you never see. And the, the most recent season that had these weird kind of robot things in it too, were, um, it was like a facility where they were experimenting on dinosaurs. And so they were like putting dinosaurs in like a snowy climate on this, on this Island that they had. And they would put like, you know, a, different dinosaur in some other kind of environment they were like kind of testing how the dinosaurs survived in these different environments and adapted to them it was actually it was just kind of an interesting you know expansion of when you're thinking about like what people would do if these dinosaurs were real and what conclusions they would be able to draw from experimenting on them and and stuff it was actually it's actually Mm -hmm. pretty good and the kids i mean the kids are good and stuff i i mean you guys both have kids that are probably about at the age now where you could watch this i think um and I, I would think it would be a fun one to watch with, with your kids. Or, you know, if for listeners who don't have kids, I would still watch it. I watched it by myself. I didn't watch it with anybody, but I enjoyed it. So, um, but there's some pretty good storytelling in there. There's actually one, I think like midway through the first season, you're seeing the fall of Jurassic World from these kids' perspective. So you see like the Masrani helicopter chasing the Indominus Rex and stuff and crashing. Oh, like, yeah. Kind of full Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I mean that's exactly it. It's showing you uh showing you it all from a different perspective. But uh yeah. anything else you guys want to say about this before we move on to the new story we wanted to talk about? No, that wraps it up. Okay. Yeah, I mean I think it sounds like we're all kind of on the same page. I think I think like I don't know if it's that people came out of seeing Top Gun and it was like this is how you do a legacy sequel and that felt so special and then this movie kinda of came out and people were like, What is this? This is not what I was expecting, but I have been quite surprised by how many people are just outright trashing this thing. Cause yeah, where was this logic when the first one came out? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. I, I kind of just don't understand. Hey, man, this is the rise of Skywalker. People enjoyed the Force Awakens. <laughs> Last shot was a little divisive, true, yeah. and the studio just made you know Rise of Skywalker. This is Rise of uh yeah, blue or whatever you want to call it yeah the themisonosaurus or whatever yeah um, rise, of the, rise of the clones that's how i was gonna say that too that's it yeah yeah um yeah i was just surprised it felt like this was kind of an easy one to kick but i mean the audio the cinema score on it is like a minus or something like, people seem to be actually enjoying it when they go see it um yeah we'll see but, second weekend if it drops big um I did yeah, take my parents to see Top Gun last night. Uh, first time seeing a movie with oh, them in like a decade. And my brother as well. And man, we all fucking love that movie. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. I want to totally see it. Totally holds up. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to the news story. So late this evening as we're recording this, there was breaking news that, you know, it's um, Todd Phillips, Joker 2 starting to get, you know, kind of ramping up with, uh, with Joaquin Phoenix back again, fully ado is the working title of the uh, of the film, and we found out that Lady Gaga is very likely. Is she confirmed, or she's likely joining the cast in talks? Um, in talks to join the cast, and and as oh boy, right? That's the mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so what? And that this <laughs> and the Joker two would also have like a musical kind of component to it. That's right. What, what do you guys think of this? I can't. Like, I kind of just admire how insane these Todd Phillips, this you know, Joker universe is that they're they're building here. But I mean, I mean, a lot of it makes sense. Uh, Foley, it's called Joker Foley. I do. 
is what he yeah. shared, which is like two people sharing a delusion. We knew that Arthur Fleck really just wanted to find love and never did. But, you know, yeah. he could find the toxic love with Harley Quinn and, you know, that whole thing. Um, I get Lady Gaga and the musical component. I mean, obviously the musical the musical numbers and dance and actual, there was a dance number in the first one, you know? So yeah. there yeah. is, I mean, that's a part of the, the world now. Um, and Lady Gaga, I mean, everybody hears the name and still is like kind of clowning Lady Gaga, but it's just like, it's kind of like Batista. Like she made that jump and she really has killed it. Like, I mean, yeah, she made a, what you call it with Bradley Cooper. Uh, yeah. What was that name of that movie? Oh, I can't believe I'm blanking on it. Anyway. Um, she made that a star is born. Jesus. Yeah. A star is born with Bradley Cooper. And I mean, if anybody saw house of Gucci, like you can see when she's playing like a crazy villain type, like you can see where it's all, she would be good actually for the cell. I'm not going to clown her because I know everybody's going to be like, it should be Tara Reed or not Tara Reed or Tara strong or whatever. Like, but like, yeah, no, I, I can see her doing it. And there've been a lot like of new interpretations of Harley Quinn and Joker and their relationship and them as individuals in the comics lately. Like, like I said, if you watch the awesome comic book nation, you can hear us break down a lot of it, whether it's the, you know, curse of the white Knight universe or future state, or just kind of what they're doing in the present DC, you know, Harley Quinn has become her own kind of character too. And I think that lady Gaga would be kind of a good possible foil for somebody like you know Joaquin Phoenix to kind of uh, you know take on this story and see how this crazy guy gets into her head also it would be kind of interesting to see how this syncs up with you know all the theories people had about the end of the first one and what was real and what wasn't and all that stuff so that's it that's it right there so like I saw the reactions that people were just like you know hyperbolic beyond belief of course but um I mean, anything around Joker or DC stuff, iconic characters is, you know, people are very sensitive, I guess, like to be heard. Um, But man, to me, this is like, it, whatever, it totally fits. I mean, I I quite enjoyed the first one and, you know, not only made a billion dollars, it had some Oscar noms. And I think that's what they're trying to do with this one. They're going to do something artsy that's going to go for Oscars and they're going to try to make a billion dollars. And if you remember the first one, it is a lot about the Joker's perspective and what's real and what's not like Kofi said. And think of all the... Uh, premonitions he has or imagining himself being on this talk show and that's how the film ends right and then all the Zazie beat scenes what's real what's not it's like that's how he can envision this the same way he's going to imagine himself in a musical and yes he has a he has a whole dance routine on the stairs in the first one but also and I shared a funny tweet uh, combining these videos on Twitter earlier today but um, did you see the whole Jack Nicholson cringeworthy party man scene in the original Batman like yeah for sure yeah. I mean, what, how could we say anything about musicals and not reference that? That 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 is to me the most cringiest scene in, in, in all DC movies. But it's an iconic scene because it's Jack and his crew dancing to Party Man, but uh, while breaking art. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, whatever. I'm totally. Oh man, that we gotta love that. The prince. No, I can't. Give me that. Oh, we all went in. I mean, somebody just tried to do that to the Mona Lisa like yesterday. People are still <laughs> influenced by that. That's true. Uh, <sighs> I just can't, um, man. Yeah, that's true. I, Party man. You're, you're definitely right. I mean, I, I agree that as insane as all of this sounds, um, it does fit with the tone and the approach of the previous movie. Like, she does fit 
as the Todd Phillips Harlequin, in my in my opinion. I can I can see it. I can see where the story is going in terms of you know maybe he is in the mental institution and she is his doctor and how he kind of like corrupts her view of the world and and helps her start to question like what's real and what's not and then she's kind of falling into madness with him and they're dovetailing into into craziness and that's that's the story like that does make sense to me and i'm i'm sure she's going to she's a triple threat at this point and there's no reason to think she that might she be would on her be way to an like egot i forget if she's done broadway she might be on the way to that EGOT. Yeah. If, if not, that's inevitable that she would do that. And like, so I, I see it. Like, I definitely see it. That all said, I my interest in in the Todd Phillips kind of expansion of, of that story is not as high as uh, as a lot of the shared universe stuff or, or kind of the mainline things. I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit of Joker fatigue and this is the thing that I would probably be the most happy to just kind of let go out of everything that's kind of DC is working on that's Joker related right now. But oh man, you know, really? I'm sure. I don't uh, know. I just me. I feel like I feel like there's just I'm dealing with like four or five different versions of the Joker now, and I'm I'm just ready. There's so many good Rogues Gallery characters in the DCU. Like I don't know. I just. It doesn't excite I think the way it Todd to. Phillips is going to embrace and, and play with us about, you know, was the first one even real? Like, you know, what is Joker was a real origin and that whole concept. And like, I think that's going to be interesting if they can do that. I think, I mean, he, they basically want him to make DC black label product for the screen. And yeah. I could see, I mean, after reading three Jokers, like you see how nutty this can get while still being kind of yeah, grounded. Sure. So, I yeah. think they should just go ahead with it and mess with people about his identity from the first one and all that stuff and just really continue to keep you off balance. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I want something different. Like you said, Ben, there's so many Jokers. I'm actually not interested in seeing more of Jared Leto or Barry Kagan. I don't know how to pronounce his name from yeah. the Matt Reeves film. Um, but, uh, I mean, we. so I, I was lucky enough to get pre-pandemic flown out by WB to see this one the, the first Joker with Todd Phillips early we did like a little private screening at the Dolby and Todd Phillips was there and Joaquin was there and we had drinks and stuff afterwards and it was supposed to be like a all off the record casual chat and he was very open about like when he when Todd Phillips wrote this and shared it around to Jeff Johns and a bunch of DC people they said man you just wrote like a great Elseworld story and that's kind of the future of this and then Everyone, of course, asked Todd, like, you know, if this works, you know, we generally liked it. Like, it's probably going to make a lot of money. No one expected a billion, but it did. Like, how do you continue? And he's like, well, man, like Elseworld stories. We'll just tell our own things outside of canon or in our own canon. They'll be, they'll be wild. They'll play with the format. And so to me, seeing this now, uh, once they've passed that obstacle of are we and can we actually make a follow-up, um, this all makes sense to me, man. And I'm totally game. And if they're going for Lady Gaga, they're going for top-tier talent, man. So, like, that's – uh, I don't think anyone has any right to rag on her. I mean, she's earned it, man. So uh, I'm curious, man. It makes me wonder. Like a musical, I'm not into musicals that much, but shit, this guy's style of musical, it's never been done like this. Rated R as well, right? So I yeah. don't know. I'm just going to be wild. Here's here's a question. If this if this if this movie's now, you know, it is happening. Like they're working on the script. Like, you know, Todd Phillips is obviously like been teasing that all up. Does this bump Barry Keegan's Joker no. appearance in the inevitable Batman two back like to Batman three or something, or is he a mainline no. villain in Batman two? I, I don't think he was going to be mainline villain in Batman. No, II, he's anyway. never going to be. Yeah, what are you? The hell are you talking? Yeah, that kid's not the Joker. <laughs> I, I don't. I think <laughs> like, Joker's what? the worst. Um, but I think the idea I don't, is I don't just to show he that he's bad. there. 
Yeah, like, yeah, that was just like a universe establishing thing. That's why they cut it back from the big scene that we saw later. Like, he's yeah. not going to be the I guess Joker. I, yeah, no. I guess I just assumed that they would be like moving in that direction. That like he, that they would have a couple villains in the sequel and that would be one of them. Oh, maybe, but I, I hope but, not. I think we're. I think Matt Reeves is smart enough to know. Like we're, 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 it's time to get different. We don't need that shit anymore. So, um, yeah. my answer is I would hope not. He, I, I hope not. He, I hope he wasn't part of the plan, anyways. But in terms of one affecting the other, I don't think so. I think they're so different. They, I think Reeves and Phillips can do whatever the fuck they want for WB right now. Yeah, and there's so much good content out there. Like again, I would go to like if they're gonna do Joker, I would love to see them do like Curse of the White Knight style Joker. Have like a Jack Napier, actual like kind of mentally still fucked up Joker <laughs> on the side yeah. trying to work with Batman, like that kind of thing. Like, there's so many interesting yeah. ways you could do it besides yeah. just who do we cast next. And I yeah. mean, I think after I'm rewatching Stranger Things, and I just want to see Joe Keery do it just so we can have a poster that just says like Joe Keery and then his name like X'd out and Joker. Oh, Marks, smart. Joker. Smart yeah. marketing, Kofi. I dig it. Yeah. I'm always thinking that yeah. producer to- that, that producer <laughs> thoughts. This is what the poster will look like. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Joe well, Keery. Mean, we get yeah. that Joe Keery kid from Stranger Things. He's got the hair. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe you guys have you guys have warmed me up to this idea a bit. I I did like I said. I felt like she fits that universe. I just yeah. I'm just a bit burnt out. Um, but but I am. Like, oh, this is going to be berserk, though. I mean. I feel like Todd Phillips is re I mean, the thing I have to give it up to Todd Phillips and Joker is no matter how you feel about that film, it's clear since then that like he has put a stamp on the Joker mythos. That's all his own. Like that Arthur Fleck Joker is something you now see that influence the rest of the mythos and character. So like, I think he, he can reinvent the wheel and I think he can do something truly berserk with this. And I'm just, morbidly curious to see what kind of just like crazy shit he's going to throw at people. Cause you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a straight fastball. It's going to be like some crazy curveball, And I'm just like, so curious. Yeah. To see. yeah that's he it. has no qualms about just messing with people. So like <laughs> in, in terms of reactions, I don't think anyone can really say anything until we see that first teaser and then you get the tone of it again. Then you're, I think that'll really sell the idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so funny to look back on when that film was in production and we were trying to figure out like how, you know, what's the origin story of this Joker <laughs> and, you know, what, like what comic book arc is it drawing from? And it was so its own thing um, in so many, in so many different ways. Like we thought Arthur Fleck might not even be his name. And it was just like, that's what, you know, like he's being referred to on set or something, but you know, it's actually going to turn out to be like a more familiar version of the Joker that we know. And, <laughs> just like all that stuff just went out the window and it was so kind of unapologetically its own thing. But Except, and I will say this, the thing I like least about that Joker movie is that there's a lot more the Wayne family stuff. I, I was yeah, surprised yeah. by that. I thought they were intentionally going to avoid it all, but they really like leaned into that. Well, I mean, I thought. to yeah. be fair, but then again, like you, to be fair, I think, you know, we say that, but then it's weird because Todd Phillips was almost like, just pre like I mean he had the prenition case I don't even I think I just made up a word but anyway he he had the foresight to know that uh that basically that was going to be a major topic that actually has now snared the entire Batman character in the last few years is this whole it's in the comics it's in the Batman 
it's this whole idea of like, who are the Waynes? Sure. The legacy. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, the sure. legacy. Are they really the sparkling family? Like who are the wealthy elitists? Like would they ever be that clean and like idealistic? Like, no, they'd have a darker side and like, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of slowly creeping into the mythos and like, is Batman just using his crazy money and white status and power? And like, Oh, know, I agree with all the, the corporate elite political bullshit it's just i felt like you know him at the fence with bruce or him in the bathroom with tom it just felt a bit much for me but no the stuff you're the, the thematically in those bigger points 100 on point and it plays with but them. i liked it i liked what it did i liked the, the joker and the batman for how they used marketing to kind of fuck with fans like the batman made you think that riddler knows who bruce wayne is and like that was his whole plan and things and that's absolutely and they'd even do it in that scene and he absolutely doesn't know who he is <laughs> like in the end yeah and then uh joker did it with making you think they were going to do something like really messed up like actually make Their joker like or, batman's brother yeah. and all that stuff yeah. and everybody's in here like <laughs> and dude that scene with like with bruce wayne at the fence is so creepy it's so yeah. good when he's just like making him smile and just like as I'm father now, like the thought of just some stranger like putting his thumbs in my kid's mouth and like making him <laughs> smile and stuff like Jesus oh, Christ, yeah. 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 <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I rewatched yeah, the movie. I actually yeah. like it a lot better the second time. Maybe I need to rewatch it. Maybe part time. of my problem. I've only seen it. I've only seen it once, so maybe I need to. I need to revisit it. I don't know what my headspace was like. It's also one of those things either. like you and I feel like you have this thing about Todd Phillips because he. Well, he did not direct. He was the mind who put together Project X. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, Project. I mean, he was the he was the producer and, and the person who like really oh, did that format of just giving people cameras and like letting them shoot a bunch of stuff and putting that movie together. Um, I always That's feel so like you funny. think Todd Phillips is like way too nihilistic. But then like, <laughs> you go back a couple of years later and then you look at shit he's done. And you're like. Oh God! And you look at the yeah. real world, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Like yeah. he even had, even he didn't have any idea. Yeah, I. Yeah, uh, no. So you look funny. at the end of Joker, and you're now like, "That's every day around here." <laughs> yeah, it's actually true. I had completely forgotten that he was involved in in Project X. Um, yeah, well, we'll have that conversation yeah. for another day. Yeah, I remember that? You, you that. thought you thought it was misrepresenting the youth. Well, really, that movie, you know what that movie didn't depict? That you've knocking themselves off of fucking fentanyl in mass. Like, that was part of that goddamn movie. <laughs> they didn't, they left that part out. But we'll get to the Project X discussion again one day. Yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely revisit that. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else we want to say before we, uh, we cut loose? We were going to talk maybe Captain Marvel, or not Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel at some point. But yeah, we're getting late into the week on that. We know there's a new episode coming out. But I'll just say that, uh, Rob Keys, you were right. I really enjoyed it. Quite there you go. Sweet. So I'm I'm very excited to see more of that. That was a breath of fresh air, I think, in my uh, in my streaming this week. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. You know, it's uh, it's late where we are, and we all got to get to bed. We got busy days tomorrow, but we'll be back next week. Um, I guess talking Lightyear probably, which uh, I know Kofi and I both given our thoughts on it, kind of on on Twitter. I think we we're both really favorable on it, so it should be a fun fun one to talk about next week be excited to see what rob thinks of it but um where can people find you guys on the social medias i am at ben kendrick that's b-e-n-k-e-n-d-r-i-c-k you can check out my work over at rise at seven um mr rob keys 
Yep. You see uh, my team stuff on uh, screenrant.com, Collider, and CBR. And then follow me on Twitter, Rob underscore Keys. That's K E Y E S. And I'm on Twitch and Instagram at FailCube. Mr. Kofi Outlaw, special guest. I'm at Kofi Outlaw. You can find my work at comicbook.com. You can find me hosting Comic Book Nation every Friday, live streaming at noon Eastern time on your streaming platforms. And you can find the podcast as well as Podcast X on all your favorite podcast platforms so you can get a double dose of me in your ear every week check me out that's awesome the uh as a reminder if you're on one of the old podcast feeds hop over to podcast x i guess if you're hearing this you probably already have already but um we are we're cutting off those feeds so uh you know check out podcast x on your favorite podcast streaming and download platform you know like we said we've had kind of uh we've been scrambling to get get on and record these so when we have a little bit of time to just sit down and actually you know get an opportunity to record without chasing our tails we'll uh we'll do some shout outs and some thank yous on people who review us so if you haven't done that yet if you can do a review where you can write one um give us a five star if you know even if you can't write it but if you can write it you know we'll we'll read some of those off i know apple and a few of the other ones actually allow you to like write a review so those will be the ones that we'll be reading. So, but that really helps us spread word about the show. If you have friends that you used to, you know, listen to Screen Out Underground or Total Peak All with, make sure they know we're we're back at it and we're you know we're putting a podcast out each week for you guys. Um, that will do it for this week's episode. We will see you all next week. Bye.